Anybody know what this place is? This is Gettysburg. This is where they fought the Battle of Gettysburg. 50,000 men died right here on this field. Fighting the same fight that we're still fighting amongst ourselves today. This green field right here, painted red, bubbling with the blood of young boys, smoke and hot lead pouring right through their bodies. Listen to their souls, man. I killed my brother with malice in my heart. Hatred destroyed my family. You listen. You take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together right now on this hollow ground, we too will be destroyed. Just like they were. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll learn to play this game like men. It's hard to believe that it's been 20 years since Remember the Titans has come out. And as I was thinking about how to start this series, I thought with all that's going on in our country right now, it might be a good segue. With the racial tensions, a team, a football team in the Deep South coming together, whites and blacks, and trying to figure out how they can work together as a team. And Denzel Washington was a coach, and he brings them together, and he tells them that they have to act as a family. And I'll be honest, that kind of gets me a little fired up. And there's a reason for it. It's because it's inspiring. And if we're honest, we need inspiration. It moves us. It, it motivates us. Sometimes it gives us the kick in the butt that we need, the fire that we need to do more, to be more, to think more, to live more, to risk more, to sacrifice more. So today, we're starting off a new series called Inspired. It's a series on five of the most inspirational stories in the Bible. It revolves around five different people, five different situations that can challenge us in five different ways. And I believe that if you open yourself up, each one of these stories will breathe life into whatever part of you it is that's tired or dead, lifeless or stagnant. It'll breathe life into what God is wanting to move you through, to motivate you, to guide you, and to lead you. So today we're going to begin with one of my personal favorites from the Bible. In fact, I preached about this not long ago, so forgive me if I'm repeating it, but it's about the life of a woman named Esther. 
I love her story. And a little bit of the background. See, the Jew, she was a Jewish woman who was living in Persia. She was a descendant of the Jews who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And the reason why they would do that, they would move a sizable portion of their population, usually the leaders, out of wherever they had conquered. And then they would move a sizable portion of their population in. Because they wanted to make that new territory a part of Babylon. It wasn't just conquering them. It was reculturing them. Maybe we might need to do a little bit of that today in our country. But Esther was a descendant of these Jews who had been moved to Babylon. Her parents had died when she was only a little child. So she was raised by her cousin Mordecai, who was a good and a godly man. He raised her as if she was his own. And she grew up to be a beautiful woman, both inside and out. In fact, she was so physically beautiful that when the king of Persia searched the entire land for a wife, no one was found to be more fair, more desirable than Esther. And she was selected to be the queen, but at that time, no one suspected that she was a Jew. For Mordecai had warned her to keep her nationality a secret. Now, in that land, there was an evil man by the name of Haman. And he was starting to gain the king's confidence. In fact, the king, the king had commanded all of the royal officials to bow down to Haman when, wherever it was that he traveled. And everyone did except Mordecai. He refused to bow down because he would only bow down to God. And this infuriated Haman because it insulted his pride. And he started a plot to figure out a way to kill not only Mordecai, to wipe out the entire Jewish race. It was a campaign to deceive the king into believing all kinds of horrible things about the Jews who were living in the kingdom. He eventually convinced the king to sign an edict, a law which would reward anyone for killing a Jew with a large sum of money. You could say it was maybe the first Holocaust. And this is where we pick up the story in Esther chapter 4. It says, When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews. With fasting and weeping and wailing, many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes to him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he 
would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs assigned to attend her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show Esther and to explain to her and he told him to urge her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and to plead with him for her people. In essence, Mordecai was saying, now is the time. No matter what the risk, to let the king know that you, Esther, are a Jew. Let him know that the edict means killing you the queen. You need to use whatever leverage you have. And Esther suddenly found herself not only in a unique position of influence, but with a unique situation that allowed her to make a difference. And Mordecai tells her, rise to that challenge. She's not alone. In each of our lives, you will have countless opportunities presented to you to do something significant in this world with your one and only life. At various points in times, God will inject moments into the ebb and flow of your life to do something special, something life-changing perhaps even world-changing. Moments in time that are divine, supernatural in potential, and e eternal in significance. In fact, the Bible even has a word for these moments. It's called a kairos moment. See, in the Greek language, there are actually two words for time. One was Chronos, where we get our time, chronological time. It's calendar time, days, weeks, months, years. But there's a second word, kairos, a word that meant something radically different, something deeper. In fact, we don't even have an English equivalent for this word. But a, a kairos moment had to do with the quality of the time. It's a moment where we're confronted with a choice, a decision that holds the deepest level of significance for who we are, who we are becoming, and what our life impact will be. That Kairos moment for Esther was now clear. She was asked to use her influence her position to respond to the potential annihilation of her people. Now you would think that whenever God presents an opportunity to do something significant like this, the answer would 
automatically would easily be, of course I will. No questions asked. But it doesn't always work out that way. See, there's a reason why it doesn't. Because with every opportunity that God brings to bear on our life, there tends to also come with it something else, a price tag. Because whenever you come face to face with an opportunity to do something significant with your life, you will also come face to face with a sacrifice. That's the sacrifice that's involved in doing what you've been asked to do. So first comes the opportunity, but then comes the cost. And when there's a cost, what do we naturally do? We count the cost. And it's no different with Esther. See, there's a little rule back in the days of Persia. Nobody could just go see the king at least not uninvited, unscheduled or unappointed, especially not a woman and not even the queen. In fact, that rule said it was a capital offense. Going to the king without being invited was a death sentence to her. So do you understand what Mordecai is asking her to do? He's sending her on a suicide mission. He's saying, you're going to reveal that you are a Jew. That you're going to tell him what's going on and you're going to beg him to stop. But it's very likely you could die. Not only because you're not supposed to go see the king unannounced, but also you're telling him that you're a Jew, that there's now an edict out there to annihilate all of them. Either way, it seemed to be a suicide mission for Esther. Let's pick up the story in verse 9. It says, Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he be put to death. The only exception for this is for the king to extend the gold scepter to him and spare his life. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. Did you catch that last line? She's saying, not only is this a suicide mission, do you realize that he hasn't called on me for a month. He hasn't wanted to sleep with me. He hasn't wanted to even talk to me. He hasn't even wanted to see my face for a month. And you can kind of hear what Esther's thinking in her mind. I see the problem, and I see the need, and I see the opportunity. But the cost, it's a staggeringly high cost. I could lose my throne. I could lose my title, my privileges, my money, my prestige. But that's not even the half of it because I could lose my life. She's thinking, what am I to do? Which 
brings us to the nature of what would shape Esther's life. And it is this, sacrifice. Not only are you going to be faced with these Kairos moments in each of your life, but you're going to be faced with sacrifices. Maybe not as high as life and death, but it's going to have a price tag. Everyone who's achieved greatness will tell you of a moment, a moment where they came face to face with a sacrificial cost, where they had to lay everything on the line. And one of the things that we are most averse to doing is making a sacrifice. We see the price tag, we see the risk, we see the inconvenience, but we say, I'm not about to do anything that would affect the quality of my life. You want me to take a risk of having even less than I have right now? You want me to add something else to my already busy schedule? You want me to put my career, my reputation on the line? You want me to bypass building my life, my choices, my time around something other than me? Sure, I want success like just anybody else. Sure, I want some notoriety. I want some fame. I want people to think of me as a good and noble person, that I'm making a difference, but not if it takes that sacrifice. But what if, what if success isn't what life is all about? And let's be honest, the sacrificial mindset is a bit alien to us. See, how we define great maybe isn't so great. Can we define great maybe a little differently today? Rather than racing through our schedule, building up a portfolio, climbing the corporate ladder, even just living a long life. Because that's the way most people think. Now there are some people there are some people who work really hard at business and they make a lot of money and they become outrageous givers for the cause of Christ. But if I'm honest with you, I can probably count those on one hand. Most just won't sacrifice. They want to get as much as they can for themselves. Let me tell you, that's crazy. See, we only have a few short years here on earth. But we have all of eternity in heaven. Some of you, all you think about is the here and now. You're consumed with it. But the Bible gives us a different perspective on the here and now. How you live during the here and now is what is going to determine how you're going to exist for eternity in heaven. So why would I spend the here and now 
making myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can. Anyone with any sense would live this life in the light of eternity. But if we're honest, we often don't. If we're honest, we make the here and now everything. So here you have Esther, given an opportunity, this Kairos moment. But she's wrestling with the reality of the sacrifice that's going to be involved. So what happens next? Let's pick up the story in verse 12. It says, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do you not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape? For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Mordecai didn't mince his words back to Esther. The stakes were high. History was going to be made one way or another. He's saying to her, this is your moment. Are you going to do something great with your life or not? And if you don't, God will search the land and he will find someone who will. Because as Mordecai says to Esther, there will be makers of history. God will find people to make a difference in this world. The question for us is whether it will be you and me. So how did Esther respond? How did she respond to that challenge? Was she temporarily stirred or was she deeply transformed. Verse 16, it says this, Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. I'll be honest, I, I can't read those last words without being moved. We have a great choice. A choice for sacrifice. It may not have been a financial sacrifice, it may not be a professional sacrifice. It may not make sense. Financially, professionally, it might not even make common sense. But it does make God sense. In the light of eternity, it makes eternal sense. So how did it play out for Esther? She went to the king trembling, afraid, fully expecting to lose her life. 
But not only did the king not kill her, but when he found out what was going on, he put Haman to death and then took Mordecai and elevated him to the place of honor. And as a result, the Jewish people were saved. A people who would one day produce a man named Jesus, who would become the Savior of the world. So here's the truth this morning. Most of us are spending our one and only life chasing the American dream instead of giving our lives to furthering the kingdom of God. If given the choice to choose between greatness through sacrifice, most of us will choose a life of mediocrity. Because we don't want to be inconvenienced. We don't want to do without. But I don't know. I don't know where I'm being asked to sacrifice. Some people will tell you that. I don't know what it is I'm supposed to do. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what my Kairos moment is. Can I be honest? Yes, you do. The will of God for you and for me is to make our lives, to live them, to give them urgently and recklessly to making the message and power of Christ known among all people. Do you know somebody who doesn't know Jesus? That's your Kairos moment. Right now, you can give in to that moment. You can give in to that sacrifice. You can serve it. You can engage it. This church can help to equip you for that. You can invest in you. So whenever it's offering time and you blow it off because you don't want to invest, you don't want to sacrifice, you don't want to do without. Whenever there's a community service project and you blow it off because you don't want to sacrifice, you don't want to go and spend your time doing that. Often we can't even get help in children's ministry. Why am I saying that? Because I have absolutely no need for something from you. But I do want something for you. I want your life to not only get out of park, at least maybe put it in neutral so that God can start moving your car. Start to do something within you that is insanely great. I can't imagine what it would be like at the end of your life and to realize that you gave your entire life for the here and now and not for eternity. I don't want that for you. I want you engaged with your one and only life on the mission of Christ. In his book, Radical, David Platt wrote this. He said, you and I stand on the porch of eternity. 
Both of us will soon stand before God to give an account for our stewardship of the time, the resources, the gifts, and ultimately the gospel He has entrusted to us. When that day comes, I am convinced we will not wish we had been given, we had given more of ourselves to living the American dream. We will not wish we had more money, acquired more stuff, lived more comfortably, taken more vacations, watched more television, pursued a greater retirement, or been more successful in the eyes of the world. Instead, we will wish we had given ourselves more of ourselves to living radical obedience. So what sacrifice are you willing to make today? Are you willing to give sacrificially? To spend your time sacrificially? To serve sacrificially? See, this is why I love the story of Esther. Because her story has challenged me over and over again to realize that I'm not called to lead a safe life. I'm not called to live a long life. I'm not called to live a satisfied life. I'm called to live a life in radical obedience in light of eternity. By God's grace, that's what I'm going to and I'm hoping, I'm challenging you to do the same. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for the message of Esther. Thank you that she was so willing to make that sacrifice, to count the cost, to see how high that cost was, but to make the sacrifice regardless. That she stood up and went to the king, even though it was a suicide mission. was willing to say, if I perish, I perish. Lord, help us to have that same mindset. Help us to live radically for you. In Jesus' name.